Hello Duke fans and welcome to Duke Blue Central episode 2. This is the second episode of the brand new Duke Blue Central podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks to all of you who tuned into episode 1. It has been so much fun starting up this podcast and uh, starting up my Twitter page overall at Duke Blue Central recommend you give a follow but thanks so much to all of you who have followed and who have listened to the podcast really appreciate every single one of you hope you'll stick around hope you're enjoying it drop me a comment on my on my twitter if you'd like to have any questions answered on the podcast would love to hear some feedback from you guys but without further ado let's cut all that intro stuff and get into why you guys are listening to hear about some Duke basketball. Now, in episode one, I kind of said the second episode was going to be about maybe some lineups, some potential styles that Duke could play this next upcoming season, maybe some pace of play questions, who's going to start, who's going to come off the bench. I am going to veer off course a little bit. We had some big recruiting news come in this past week that I kind of wanted to just recap and give my thoughts on, and then in this next episode, we'll be we'll be aiming for an episode all about lineup style, pace of play, coaching style, and all that. Excited about that one, but thought I'd just jump on. This might be a quicker episode to just recap some recruiting and give some thoughts on it. So the big one, obviously, everyone's talking right now about on Duke Twitter and uh, all across the Duke fan base is Flory Badunga committing to Kansas instead of Duke. Man, it, it was a case of things changing really, really fast. I think within about a day... He was about an 85% confidence level to commit to Duke. We had three crystal ball predictions from him on 247 Sports, one of which, I think all of which were above a 6 out of 10 on confidence level. One of them was a 9 from an insider. On three, I think, gave us that 85% chance to land him. And in a matter of a few hours, that totally switched. But it didn't switch to Kansas, interestingly enough. All the predictions were swaying towards Auburn. And this made a lot of sense. Flory was committing at an Under Armour event, which Under Armour is a big sponsor of the Auburn Tigers. Made a lot of sense. Bruce Pearl was doing some retweeting on social media that made everybody think Flory was Auburn bound. But he switched up, switched up and committed to Bill Self's squad over at Kansas, which is disappointing for Duke fans. But I kind of wanted to come at you with this episode to maybe encourage you a little bit after maybe be maybe being discouraged after that commitment. Now, I want to say this too. Flory, he was, I think, a big recruit for next year's squad. Because when you break down the roster for next year, which I'm going to do in a second, you would like to have a kind of a guy you could just pencil into that starting lineup every game for center. And, And I think Flory would have been one of those anchors in the front court that you could kind of just count on Every game, he's starting, he's grabbing rebounds, he's putting back dunks, he's blocking shots. Just a super athletic guy. So I am going to miss, or or miss, I guess, the potential of him being on next year's team. But I want to say it's not ready to sound the alarms just yet. Could be a developing story for next year. You know, next year, if we're looking back, thinking like, man, we're only missing a bit, a key big. You know, we could look back on this commitment as, as maybe being a bigger deal. But I don't think it's uh, it's ready to sound the alarms just yet. And, and, and here's kind of my reasoning for that is uh, let's go over the roster, just the front core of the roster for what we can kind of anticipate for next year's team. So kind of off rip, I want to say three guys I feel like you can pencil in that are going to be on the team next year 
that are going to have significant minutes in the front court. And I don't want to jinx these two, but I feel like Sean Stewart and TJ Power, you can almost guarantee that they're going to be back at Duke for a sophomore season. I think both of them are really good players. I think, especially TJ Power, I would almost bet everything I have that he'll be back for a sophomore season. Sean Stewart, you know, maybe if he just explodes and has super athleticism and has just a way more polished offensive game than we've seen, maybe could sneak in and get drafted. But I I think that's a a very, very small chance of that happening. So I think you can pencil in Sean Stewart, TJ Power from this year's team as coming back for sophomore seasons. And the other guy's Christian Reeves. Uh, Not a surprise there. You know, he's been at Duke. He, He been at Duke last year. He'll get another year under his belt this year. But like I said, kind of in the last episode, I, I don't expect him to maybe get as many minutes as some people are and, and certainly don't think he'll be a guy to leave or transfer unless something crazy happens. I think you can pencil those three guys in for the front court. Now, let's move on to maybe some questionables that could be here. I'll throw out a wild card first. I have no real reason to believe that this is going to happen. But I just threw it out as a potential possibility. I wrote down Mark Mitchell's name. Now, I do not think Mark Mitchell is going to come back for a third season. I'll just throw that out there now. But as I just sat and thought about it, you know, if he has another season where maybe his three-point shooting doesn't go up and, and maybe he's just constantly the guy that is doing all the stuff that doesn't show up on the stats sheet. You know, maybe other guys come out and score a lot more and he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much. Or or maybe he, you know, knock on wood, but maybe he has an injury where he can't play for a big portion of the season. I just penciled him in as a possibility. I think uh, the other guys on the team are gone. You know, I think Flip is for sure gone after this year. Just penciled in Mark Mitchell as a wild card. I, I would not count on him coming back for next year's team, although that would be huge. Um huge for the front court of that 2024 team if he were to somehow come back and then we've got two kind of two recruits two recruits of the class of 24 that could be coming in and the first one I think everybody jumps to is and I'm going to butcher his last name gonna have to get to get to study in on exactly how to say that but it's Patrick Ngangba that is the guy that I think everybody's jumping to right now he's a guy that Duke's already offered in the class of 24 kind of the next center down. Yeah, so he's a guy who's ranked 25th in the class. He's kind of a couple centers down from Flory, but you kind of see the archetype there. He's a big guy, 6'10", pretty good rebounder, pretty good offensive package, uh, but he's a guy I think a lot of people are expecting Duke to just jump all over. He, he was almost kind of seen as the backup for a couple of these schools. I know for a while it sounded like Kansas was really going hard after him after it looked like Duke was going to land Flory. So there's a guy that, you know, Duke could potentially get. When I'm looking at the schools that have offered him, he's obviously got offers from tons of places, but of the schools he's thought to be seriously considering, Kansas State, Providence, UConn, and Duke. Now, no offense to Providence and Kansas State, but I would really think that uh, UConn or Duke are the two favorites there. Right now, on three gives Duke the slight edge at a 27.5% chance to land him. UConn certainly coming off a a national championship is going to have a a little bit of bolstered recruiting for the next couple years, so I certainly wouldn't rule them out. Um, But there's a guy that Duke could land. I've heard kind of some conflicting reports on him. Some people say Duke's going to go really hard after him, and it's almost a guarantee now. And I've heard other people say, 
Duke might be fading him in favor of just kind of rolling with the guys they have. So we'll see kind of what the staff chooses to get, do on him, but but he's a guy to watch out for. Kind of was always thought up as the backup in case you didn't get Florida, and now we're in that position. So keep your eye on Patrick Ngangba. Forgive me for that last name again. And then the last one, and now this was a also a huge, massive piece of news that dropped this past week. I wrote Cooper Flag's name down there. Now I know he's listed at a small forward, but the kid is 6'9". He's got kind of all the size you could want for being in that position. I think he could guard three through five pretty easily in college. And that's, you know, not even thinking about any growing he could do over the next year as he finishes high school. But Cooper Flagg is definitely a guy that Duke is going hard after. They are going as hard after him as they've gone after any recruit. And I would say... I certainly don't want to jinx this one either, but it feels like Duke is the heavy, heavy favorite to land Cooper Flag as of this point. He has grown up a Duke fan. He compared himself to a big Grayson Allen at one point, and man, if that's not <laughs> if that's not a commitment, I don't know what it is. <laughs> if you don't, if you're not going to Duke, you don't typically compare your guys compare yourself to a guy like Grayson Allen, even though we Duke fans love him. He's he's notorious around. Uh, college basketball and even the league now so I would really I'm I'm counting on Cooper Flag committing to Duke I, I really think that that's something that's going to happen so I would almost pencil him into the lineup for next year as well so overall when you go into that front court let's say you know let's say it's just Sean Stewart TJ Power Christian Reeves let's say Mark Mitchell leaves maybe we get in Gangba but Cooper Flag is part of the team next year. So let's say it's Cooper Flag, Christian Reeve, TJ Power, Sean Stewart. That's kind of a, perhaps what your front court could look like. Cooper Flag is going to be a guy that's going to start every game. And he, we could put him in at small forward, but he certainly could fill a void in that front court if we were kind of going with the smaller lineup. So when you look at that front court, there are some things that jump out to you. One, couple of options you could do. And, and the biggest question of it is, how good is Christian Reeves going to be in, I guess this will be, next year would be year three. And this, for me, not landing Flory, almost the biggest implication it has on this year's team is that I think Christian Reeves has to get more minutes. He's looking like he might be the only seven-plus footer on the roster for next year. He, I don't even think Patrick Mbagwa... Ngangba, I think he's about 6'10". So Christian Reeves would be the only center on the team for next year. I think he has to get more minutes this year to kind of warm up for if he had to play a significant role in next year's team. Because if you want to go size, there's an argument that you're starting, you know, your starting front court could be TJ or could be Christian Reeves and either Sean Stewart, TJ Power, or Cooper Flag if you wanted to play him at the four. Or you could go like Christian Reeves, Sean Stewart, and then play Cooper Flag at the three. But the biggest implication of this for me is that Christian Reeves has got to see the floor this year, and we've got to assess how he's going to be this year and then what he needs to work on for next year to have a significant role on the team because his time is up. You know, I think this year he's got another year under that he can he can kind of just learn and not have too much pressure on him. Next year, especially with not landing floor, is going to be a year where uh, where he's going to have to, you know, have a little bit more accountability on this team for carrying some of the load minutes wise as of right now you never know what can happen with transfers and stuff like that but that's so hard to predict it's not even worth talking about 
So, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on Flory. Biggest thing for this year, got to get Christian Reeves minutes. Now, another option you could do on next year's team, too, you know, let's say Reeves comes out this year and just does not perform well and even, you know, he's still got a long way to go in the offseason for next year. You could roll with a smaller lineup. Like, let's say, you know, you could start Sean Stewart as a center and kind of go Cooper flag at power forward, and you've kind of got two 6'10 guys back there, man, in your front court, which will do in college for sure, especially with the athleticism of Sean Stewart. I think he's going to have an easier time guarding these centers as long as they're not huge and super skilled. That'll be something to really watch out for this year, how Sean Stewart defends centers. And now without with missing out on Flory too, that could even play a bigger part in next year's team. So I think when you're looking at the front court for next year, option one, either Christian Reeves shows up and is good, good this year and looks to even improve next year. And you can put him in the starting lineup next year alongside Sean Stewart and Cooper Flagg and the guards. Or Christian Reeves still has some development to do even going into next year. And you kind of have a smaller front court than Duke has been used to in the past few years you know, with Flip, Lively, and Mark Williams, you could roll a Sean Stewart, TJ Power, Cooper Flag out there and, and kind of have a smaller front court, but a big, small forward, no matter which way you look at it. So I say all that to say it does stink missing out on Flory, obviously. Anytime you miss out on a guy like that, you wish you got him. But I don't think it's time to sound the alarms yet because I don't know about you guys, but when I see that lineup, you know, there's a lot of potential for that to be a a super super good lineup especially if Sean Stewart really takes the developmental steps I think he's going to take we might be sitting in a position next year where we can't we couldn't afford to have Sean Stewart off the court even if we had Flory so that's that's something that's exciting it's something that's exciting to look forward to and that kind of leads me into my next point here which is an overarching theme for recruiting for Duke I, I think there's a new era in Duke recruiting. And and other people have been saying this. This is not something that is a, a brand new idea. John Shire even pointed it out himself when he was interviewed by The Athletic. But we know that an important part to John Shire's recruiting tactics moving forward is going to be continuity, going to be getting guys that can stay at least for two years to give the team some sort of consistency year to year. And, and for years... Duke fans have been clamoring for that. How many times have you heard on, you know, your Duke friends talk about, we need guys who stay. These one-and-dones can't win, even though I don't think that's particularly true. We've won with one-and-dones. But it really feels like the writing on the tea leaves is here that if you want to win national championships, you have to have returning players. And I think John sees that and is change actively changing his recruiting styles to recruit guys that are going to stay for at least their sophomore season. And when you're going to make that decision to change your recruiting style, you're going to miss out on top 10 recruits because those are guys that typically come into college knowing this is a one-stop, one-year stop, and then I go to the NBA. The guys who stay are those 15 to 25 guys. I think that's the range Duke is really going to hone in on in the future. Just to prove my point, I mean, let's even pull up this year's recruiting class. This is 247. Guys, the highest Duke recruit this year is 13. Jared McCain is ranked 13 in the cl- 13th in the class. You know, normally, 
coming into the year, we've got a guy in the top 10, if not the top five. And this year, our highest recruit is the t- is is number 13. He, Jared McCain's 13, Sean Stewart 17, Caleb Foster 19, TJ Power 20. So we have got, you know, four guys in that 13 to 20 range. Even when we go to, to next year's recruiting class, you can kind of see similar stuff. Now, admittedly, the going hard after Cooper flag has changed that a little bit, and we did go after Flory. But you can even, if you go to our offers for the following year's recruitment, there's a pattern here. Shire is changing his recruiting strategy and going for these guys he believes are going to stay a year. And I want to remind everybody of what happened earlier in this offseason when Kyle Filipowski decided to come back to Duke for a second season. I mean... It was the talk of college basketball for a week. And then the same day, I mean, I, I think it was minutes before, if not in tandem, Mackenzie Mbako announced he was decommitting, decommitting from Duke and eventually ended up committing to Indiana. And everyone on Duke Twitter, I don't think I could find a take that said they'd rather have Mbako than Kyle Filipowski. Everyone was saying, give me year two Kyle Filipowski over year one Mackenzie Mbako. And I agree with that. I would, not that I think Mbako is going to be bad, but I just think year two players bring something to the floor that you can't have, you can't be bought with talent. Even if Mbako turns out to be a more talented player than Flip, I just think the experience of carrying a team for a year and playing college basketball for a year and just growing a year older is something that is, is priceless in terms of college basketball. So, when we're looking at these guys, really ask yourself the question, you know, would you rather us just nail all these top five recruits and then they just leave? Or would you rather a guy like Sean Stewart be at Duke where we can sit here and almost pencil his pen, his name in for next year's team? We, we might be, I want to look back on this at next year's team to talk about comparing year two, Sean Stewart and TJ power to year one, Floyd Benunga. I just don't think there's a compelling argument to me out there that it's better to have the one player, Flory Badunga, over these awesome guys that are going to be back for year two. I'm really excited about John Shire's recruiting strategy. I, I think it was the writing was on the wall for us that we had to change something up. We were getting too many fringe guys that would leave, you know, too many guys that were going to be late first round, second round picks that ended up leaving instead of coming back. And that has totally changed this past season. I mean, we saw Kyle Filipowski, Tyrese Proctor, and Mark Mitchell come back, who were all maybe fringe first-rounds guy, especially Flip was definitely going to be a first-round pick. And now NIL certainly helps with that. But NIL is another factor in this, because I think NIL could actually encourage the top recruits to maybe spread out more than in previous years, because... They can go to these football schools that can offer them way more money. So we might see top 10 recruits kind of spread out across the country more than we ever have before just because of money. Whereas these guys who are 15 to 25 are going to be the ones Duke really goes after because they believe, you know, we can build consistency around them. And yes, we can bring in a Cooper flag or a Cameron Boozer and these, you know, crazy talented freshmen. We can bring those guys in to compete with them. But I think John knows the value of continuity and consistency. And I really think the program's in good hands with this style of recruiting. So, yeah, that's kind of my my whole thoughts on that. 
yeah, Flory's a bad loss. You'd love to have him. He would have been a great addition to next year's team. But if you're telling me that I would have had to give up a year two Sean Stewart or TJ Power to get him, I wouldn't make that trade. I, I feel confident in the guys we have, and I feel confident in John's mindset of trying to get guys who will stay. And when you do that, you're going to sacrifice getting some top recruits because they want to come in, play 35 minutes a game, and go to the NBA. And that's great. We've had a lot of great players like that in the past that have almost led us to titles. But when you look back on the teams that have won titles, they have been a core group of players that had been there for several years that uh, that really led the mentality and led the drive to win a national championship. And that's what it's about at Duke. We're about hanging banners. So I believe our program's in good hands here with John Shire's recruiting strategy. And that's all I kind of have to say about it. Thanks so much for listening to episode two. I'll hopefully be back soon to kind of break up maybe lineups and style. I'm tired of talking about two years, two years Duke team away. I want to kind of get to talking about this year's team. You know, there's so much excitement in recruiting and all that that we forget. You know, we've got college basketball coming up in a few months here. All the recruiting's done for that. You know, the team's already practicing. We're ready to roll. So I want to come back next episode, talk about styles, talk about uh, lineups, maybe, maybe pace of play, um, dive into a little bit of John Shire's coaching strategy as a coach and uh, something I think a lot of people are neglecting when they're talking about it. But uh, we'll save that for next episode. Thanks so much for listening to episode two of Duke Blue Central. Once again, you can follow me over on Twitter at Duke Blue Central. Give me some comments. Give me some feedback. If you want to help out the show, the best way you can do that is by leaving a rating and sharing it with your other Duke fans. Thanks so much for listening. Go Blue Devils.